This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. Welcome to another Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. In the last podcast, I had Jody Caracosta, the Vice President of the ministries that I founded, Somebody Cares America and Somebody Cares International, share part one on cultivating a life of doing good. In a moment, you're going to hear Jody again as she continues to share on cultivating a life of doing good part two. I love the scripture she chose, Isaiah chapter one, verse 17. Learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, and plead for the widow. And as she shared in the last podcast, in the busyness of life and the crush of responsibilities, it's easy to shrug off or rationalize away nudges by the Holy Spirit to do something. In other words, being in that tangible expression of Christ. And in a very synchronized and practical way with testimonies of the goodness of God in the midst of a world of bad news, she began to share with us realities and real life stories, as well as practical application. Now we as individuals can be a tangible expression of Christ to those around us. Today, she's going to be sharing on cultivating a life of doing good, part two. And she's going to be giving us what's called the Hebrews Challenge. So I can't wait to hear it. Here's Jody Caracosta, our dear friend and vice president of our ministries. Uh, Welcome, Jody. Hey, Doug. Thanks for having me back. In the last episode, I talked about how important it is to cultivate a life of doing good so we can have a fruitful Christian life. But beyond that, we're supposed to encourage one another to do good deeds as well. You might think that's a bit pushy or think that it's just a job for a pastor, but Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 tells us to, quote, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So I've come up with a little challenge. I'm sure you've heard of the Ice Bucket Challenge or the Mannequin Challenge or the Harlem Shake Challenge or one of many other challenges that have swept social media in recent years. Of course, there's always been fitness challenges and diet challenges and a myriad of other self-improvement challenges. You may have even participated in one just for fun or to raise awareness for a good cause or raise some money. When I was in elementary school, we had a summer reading challenge. I took it on with gusto. I loved reading stories of adventure and mystery, and that summer I read over 30 books. Of course, we drove from Florida to South Dakota and back, which provided a whole lot of time for reading, so that helped, but I really did love it. And you know, almost everybody loves a good challenge, so this challenge I'm calling the Hebrews Challenge. Unlike ones on social media, it isn't a here-today-gone-tomorrow type of thing. It's more like a fitness challenge that has the potential to change your life and the life of others as well. Of course, this is really instruction from the Lord for our daily lives, but I'm challenging all of us to very intentionally embrace it. There are a few parts to the challenge. The first part is to consider. With every challenge, there's the opportunity to personalize it in some way so it's unique to you, but still within the guidelines of the challenge. So as we talk about the Hebrews challenge, really think about how you can apply it and live it out personally and uniquely. Next, take notice of the us and the we in the verse. It's addressed to me, to you, and to everyone else that truly confesses Jesus as their Savior and Lord. It's addressed to the group. No one is exempt. 
The heart of Hebrews 10.24 is other-focused. Spur one another on. Encourage, cheer, even urge one another, which is exactly what this challenge is about. But spur on to what? To love and good deeds. Simple words, but when lived out, it's pretty life-changing for everyone you touch. The best way to spur or encourage someone to do something is to live it out as an example or model it in front of them. Show them how it's done and let them see the amazing results. We're empowered to do this because 1 John 4, 9 explains we love God because God first loved us. And Philippians 4, 13, probably one you might know by heart, but it reminds us that we can do all things through him who strengthens us. The New Testament, of course, was originally written in Greek, which has a whole bunch of different words to describe various types of love. In Hebrews, the writer is talking about agape love or selfless love. It's sacrificial and unconditional. It's the kind of love God has for each of us. He loves us unconditionally, and he gave his son Jesus to sacrifice for us to take away our sins. We may know the description of agape love found in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8 which says love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's a pretty tall order. But we're all called to grow in agape love. And with Christ living in us, the Holy Spirit working through us, and surrounded by others who are also striving for agape love, it is possible. Since it's so unnatural for us, we're told to spur one another on to this type of love. Practice it. Be a living example. Ask others to hold you accountable for that type of love. Don't participate in things that are divisive or negative. Instead, invite friends and family to join you in practical ways of living out that kind of love. Expect good out of each other. Honor people who are doing good and encourage others to practice it too. When I was in graduate school, some friends invited me to join them in an outreach to a drug-infested low-income community. I had zero desire, but I went to an informational spaghetti dinner to get them off my back. As I listened that night, God touched my heart, and I fell in love with the children I met there. And for the next seven years, long after I graduated, I spent one or two nights a week teaching kids about Jesus, helping them with schoolwork, and mentoring them in life. Many of them accepted Jesus during those years, and the first young man that graduated high school and went on to college was a time of great celebration for all of us. My time there changed my life, too, and pointed me in the direction of missions and ministry. But I never would have gotten involved and served out of God's agape love without the encouragement of my friends. A natural outcome of having this agape love, this selfless kind of love, will be good deeds. When your motivation and your instinct are love, your family members, your friends, coworkers, strangers, and even those you don't particularly enjoy, you'll want to be truly helpful. Not for your own sake, but for their sake. That love will flow out of you in ways that are personal, practical, and tangible. In other words, good deeds. Of course, sometimes we hear or feel the Lord nudging us to do a good deed, and we do it out of obedience to Him. 
As long as it's done selflessly, selflessly, he uses it to expand our heart of love for others. Like he did in my life when I stepped out of my comfort zone to reach out to a group of kids that needed to experience the love of God in a tangible way. But if it's done to boast, 1 Corinthians 13 reminds us that it will profit us nothing. Sharing the story of how God is at work in and through you can spur others on to do the same. More than a few years ago, I was hurrying to catch a flight to a friend's wedding. I stopped at a store to pick up a few things on the way, and as I was pulling out of the parking lot, I saw a woman with a sign asking for money. I felt the Lord telling me to help her, but since I wasn't in the right lane by her, I just had to pull out on the road, drive around, and come back to get back to her. During the time I was driving, I sensed I needed to do more than just give her a couple dollars. So I offered to buy her lunch at a nearby Boston Market, which was right there, and uh, sat down with her. And while we were together, I found out she had recently been evicted from her townhouse right in my own development. She was literally a neighbor of mine. She had gotten sick and she couldn't work. She fell behind on her rent and was then living in some woods nearby waiting for a spot to open at a local women's shelter. I was in a position at the time to get her into an efficiency hotel for the week, so I did that, and then I hurried to catch my plane. By the end of that week, she'd found a more permanent situation, situation living, and I didn't see her again until three years later. As only God can ordain, I picked her up again on the side of the road in a totally different part of town. It was on a cold, rainy day, and she needed a ride about a half-hour drive from where she was living. And I didn't realize it was the same woman until she was in the car. Then we recognized each other, and God allowed me to hear what he had done in her life since that first encounter. I stopped the first day out of love for God, and he used that good deed to give me a greater love for those who are down and out. Good deeds, they come in all shapes and all sizes, so to speak. So let me share stories of a few more. Vicki is one of our volunteers at Somebody Cares, and she was flying home to Houston shortly after Hurricane Harvey devastated the city. On the plane, she met a young military mom and her son who were headed to MD Anderson for cancer treatment. All the hotels in the area were full of people whose homes were flooded and first responders who had come in to the city to help. So this mom and her son had no place to stay. Vicki opened her home to them while they were in town for the son's treatments and developed a deep friendship with the family. She was able to share the love of Jesus with them through the slow decline of their oldest son and his transfer to heaven. You see, he accepted Jesus in the midst of his illness. She still has a friendship with them and encourages the mom in her faith while praying for the dad's salvation. Before I met my husband, he was a widower with six children. His first wife died when the kids were ages 2 to 15. And while many people provided really appreciated meals after their funeral, a couple named Lynn and Rick, as well as a few others, interrupted their lives for eight years to walk, along, walk alongside him and help in very practical ways, driving the kids to school, making meals, helping with child care, cleaning the house, doing laundry, providing emotional support, and the list goes on and on. The love they, lav they lavished on my husband and the kids helped them survive and even thrive during those years. It was re a true testimony of God's unconditional love as the kids were growing up and greatly appreciated by our family. <clears throat> 
In Baltimore, after the death of Freddie Gray, while he was in the custody of the Baltimore police, rioting and violence broke out in the city. In the midst of the rioting, Somebody Cares Baltimore director Matt Stevens and over a hundred other pastors of all ages, colors, and denominations marched the streets with linked arms in contrast to the violence. Church, ministry, and city leaders put themselves in harm's way to reach out and bring peace. The next morning, church volunteers were on hand to help clean up after the evening's activities and just to show love to people. They handed out cold bottles of water to police officers who were standing online to prevent further rioting. They also passed out water to frustrated community members who were gathering to mourn. Their loving presence helped calm a tense situation that could have spiraled into something much, much worse. In Africa, a pastor named Yemi in a rural Muslim village in in, uh, East Africa experienced a lot of persecution at the hands of a local imam. When he was given the chance to choose children to receive the life-changing gift of a goat through Call of Hope Ministry, he included the daughter of that same imam. It stunned this man to see Christian love extended to his family in spite of the way the pastor had been treated. That good deed opened the door for conversation and changed the attitude of the whole village toward Yemi and ultimately toward the message of the gospel. Finally, years ago, just finally example, years ago, Doug Stringer had a call-in show, call-in radio show in Houston. A radical gay activist would regularly call in to just rail against Christianity and against Doug. But one day Doug heard this man had AIDS and couldn't pay his electric bill and was about to lose power. So he and a few other Christians pooled their money and anonymously paid the bill. Not long after that, this man called the show again to cuss Doug out for whatever he was saying. And over a course of a little bit of conversation, the Lord prompted Doug to share with him how much God loved him and had prompted them to pay his bill, even when his friends wouldn't help. That just flabbergasted this man. And shortly after that conversation, he received Christ on his deathbed. He's now in heaven because of that simple act of love. Of course, not every good deed results immediately in a radical change of heart, but God will use each one to work in us and others for his purposes in his time. So I encourage you, take the Hebrews challenge. Ask God to fill you to overflowing with his love. Step out of your comfort zone and help someone else. Expect nothing in return. Share your God stories with your friends. Invite them along on this God journey. And see God change your life and the lives of everyone around you in amazing, amazing ways. Thank you and God bless. Thank you so much, Jody. You have an amazing gift in helping to articulate what many of us are feeling. I know for me, as you were sharing some of these testimonies and stories, that uh, I even think of Vicki, you know, who you mentioned that volunteers with us at Somebody Cares. Uh, her husband, uh, the late uh, Judge Tony Guillory, was such an integral part of our board as, and part of our ministry. But Vicki continues to carry on in being a tangible expression of Christ, and not just as she did in helping out this young boy and his mother, who were desperate and needed a place to stay as he was coming for treatments at MD Anderson. 
but also on a regular basis as she's volunteering with the Houston Police Department and as an extension of what we do as well with the Harris County Sheriff's Department. Uh, she's just a, such a vital part of our ministry. And as you were sharing these stories, I think about the little boy who's now gone to be with the Lord, but how God used every connection, connecting the dots of these kinds of relationships and how not only in what she was able to do to help, but and what we were able to do in our small way to come alongside that family. But it does more for us. And I think that's a lesson that you're helping us to understand in, in all these testimonies, that as we become a tangible expression of Christ and we cultivate a life of doing good, we really get more from it than we could ever give. I mean, if you think about the life lessons we learn, the life experiences becomes part of our life message. And also remembering the story of, of the young man who uh, used to hate me and used to actually protest against us and call us names and curse us out. And when he called on that two-hour radio talk show that I was on and changed his name, and I remember specifically that moment when he was just saying all these negative things, and I knew who it was, and he changed his name, and I said, is this so-and-so? And, of course, he stumbled and said, well, yes, it is. And I said, where are all your friends when you really need them? He says, what are you talking about? Me, my community, my friends, we stick together. I said, really? When you couldn't pay your rent and your light bill last month, where were your friends? And he got quiet for a moment, and he said, well, what are you talking about? How would you know about that? And I said, it doesn't matter how we found out, but we did. And I never thought we would have to tell you this because we really felt led of the Holy Spirit, a few of our volunteers and our staff, to collect up an offering to pay your rent and your light bill anonymously. We didn't do it, we didn't do it to try to get recognition. We did it as unto the Lord because we realized out of your own pain, that compensatory facade, that you were compensating on the outside for the lack on the inside. And the reality is that we just felt we needed to do it. And now here's the moment you're challenging us, and I felt this is the time to tell you. He was really quiet. He didn't know what to say about that. And then a, a while later, I was actually uh, in, um, I think it was in Arizona, actually for a Mission America gathering, and I got a phone call that he was back in the hospital, and he was uh, had HIV. It was coming to fruition, and he was really not doing well. And and um, and so he was he had he had full blown AIDS, and so he en he ended up getting uh, in the hospital. And I remember another young man who came to the Lord with, through our ministry who was also dealing with HIV. I called him and I said, Bill, could you go visit with, with so-and-so? Uh, I think he's not doing well. and Just go and see how we can pray for him as a ministry. When he got to the hospital, uh, the person in the hospital that hated us before and the one we paid uh, anonymously his rent and his light bill uh, kept saying to Bill, why would you do this? Why, why would you people do this? And Bill simply said, well... You know, that's what Jesus does. Even those who may oppose us, disagree with us, this is the response that Christ would have us give even through the challenge of you not even liking us. And through that process, he gave his life to the Lord that night. The next day, he went on to be with the Lord. I shared that story at a church in another uh, city in Texas. And on a Sunday morning in between services, a woman comes up to me and says, I know you didn't tell me, didn't say the name of who that person was. But can I ask you, was his name such and such? I said, yes, did you know him? And she began to weep. She goes, that was my son. And even I share that story right now, Jody, and, and hearing that story again as you shared so well, it's bringing goosebumps over me to realize the, just the providence of God. There's nothing coincidental with God. You see, this mother had been praying for her son, 
And she did not have that peace of knowing, did my son ever come to know Christ? But through a process of her praying that God would bring people along the way, we could have responded with the same spirit of anger and, and woundedness, but instead we responded with an opposite spirit. And we were able to cover his rent in his life, but which became the very thing that touched his heart, that opened his heart, that changed his mind. And Bill, who also was HIV and had been working with our ministry, was able to lead him to Christ the night before he passed. You see, there's nothing coincidental with God. When we make ourselves available to God and we walk in simple obedience to God, which is the highest form of worship, God does some incredible things, not so much for the people we help, but God does a work in us. And we get to participate with God to see people's lives transformed. So thank you so much, Jody, and thank you for all those that listen to our podcast. I know that you've really enjoyed these last two podcasts, Cultivating a Life of Doing Good by Jody Caracosta, our Vice President of Somebody Cares. And uh, be staying tuned again for our uh, upcoming podcast. Thank you again. And if we can do anything to pray with you, just please let us know. And if you ever have any questions uh, or thoughts about what you'd like us to talk about on some of our podcasts, please let us know. And you can email us at somebodycares at somebodycares.org and just ask us or give a suggestion what you would like us to talk about in some future podcasts. God bless. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.